study tonight in Philippians. I want you, if you would, to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3. I'm going to really make progress tonight. I think we're covering three whole verses. Uh, but Philippians chapter 3, you know, this has been a, a wonderful study in chapter 2, where, where Paul talked about, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he described that. And then when he gets to, um, to chapter 3, he talks about who and what he was before he knew the Lord. And now he counts all of that life as being loss. What was gained to me, it says, I esteem it now or count it as loss in comparison to knowing Christ. And that is the whole everything. Once we first come, we first need to be saved and give our lives to Christ. And once we come to Christ, then there's the joy of coming to know him more throughout our lives. I pray tonight in, in church tonight and listening and sitting under the authority of God's word that we'll get a greater glimpse of the Lord, that we'll grow in the Lord even more tonight. But I want you to, if you would, let's, let's read. <clears throat> We're going to read 13 through 17. We actually covered 13 and 14 a few weeks ago, but uh, read it with me. Philippians 3, 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything... Ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal that even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so, as you have us for an example. Okay? And so it's an appeal, really, the, the main verse we're going to look at, uh, 15, I think we'll probably focus on more than anything, He's talking about being thus-minded. He's talking about being liked-minded. So it is an appeal for God's people to be unified, for God's people to be in unity. But any unity that's true unity in the Lord is going to be just that. It's going to be unity in Christ. There have been uh, movements. I know that you're not a stranger to this. Over just our lifetimes, there have been appeals for unity. Uh, I remember the... Uh, promise keepers. And, and in the promise keepers, you would have this, uh, you know, a Mormon and then, a, you know, a Catholic and a Baptist and a, an evangelical Christian all together. And we're just going to basically put all of our differences aside and we're going to focus on seven promises, which is really not biblical. You know, we're to love the Lord with all our heart, soul and mind and our neighbor as ourselves. That's the first and greatest commandments. On these two hang all of the law and the prophets. So they're there. They're not for me just to put aside in order to make unity with someone. Um, and so we see appeals for unity. But the Bible says in Ephesians, endeavoring to keep the unity of what? Of the Spirit. Capital Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Endeavoring to keep. So we don't create that unity. It's a unity that God creates by His Spirit. But we endeavor to keep it, to maintain that within the church uh, in the bond of peace. And so here's an appeal for unity. In verse 15, let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. So there's an appeal to be like-minded. Specifically what he's talking about here is to be like-minded in our spiritual pursuit of the Lord. Paul talked basically from verse uh, 7 
through verse 14 about his new life in Christ and his one goal is to pursue Christ. Oh, that I may know him, right? And the power of his resurrection and forget those things are behind. Brethren, these one, this one thing I do. And he's saying as many as be thus be perfect, let's be thus minded. So it, it's a, a unity that he's appealing to, but it's a unity in Christ and it's a unity in our spiritual pursuit of the Lord and our growth and our maturity. What we are to be uh, pursuing the same thing in Christ. Fed's not going to be pursuing one thing in Christ and me something else in Christ or a different type of Christ. It's going to be the same. It's going to look the same in a lot of ways. He might, Lord might be dealing with him about something in his life and me something differently in my life. But our pursuit of the Lord putting him first and putting all things else behind us and solely seeking after the Lord for the rest of our lives, that's going to be similar. And we're going to be walking hand in hand or, you know, shoulder to shoulder as we pursue the Lord in that way. So there will be a very great unity because we're pursuing wholeheartedly the Lord with all of our hearts. Amen. That's what Paul was talking about. He said, this one thing I do. So it's a unity in pursuing the same thing in Christ and a unity in, in growing and maturing into the same thing in Christ. Reynolds not going to become one thing in the Lord and, and uh, Chris becomes something totally different in the Lord and they hardly even recognize each other. They're going to be the same. You know what I'm saying? It, it, we're gonna, it's the same Christ. It's the same fruit of the Spirit. It's the same Holy Spirit at work. It's the same Christ that we're all being conformed to His image. And so that is what the Holy Spirit is working. So it's a unity in pursuit, and it's a unity in what we're going to attain to and become by the grace of God. Amen? And so all believers are to be of the same mind, the same will. And Paul says, you have me for an example. Uh, and, and not just him, he includes others, but he, Paul is, is an example. Christ is the example, okay? Paul is an example. He's an example to follow of some, another human being that's been redeemed that is pursuing after the Lord with his whole heart. And we can watch a Paul. You can watch somebody uh, like Paul, and if you were living in that day, and say, I want to, I have somebody to model after. But it's only as Paul walked in obedience to Christ himself. You follow me as I follow Christ. We know that to be true. And so who's like-minded with Paul? And that's what he's saying. We all ought to be. This is not for a special uh, breed of Christians, I guess you would say. And I think a lot of times we put Christians in a different categories thinking, well, that's for George Mueller. You know, that's for Paul. That's for uh A.B. Simpson or someone like this or, or John or John the Baptist, but that I'm just a regular Joe Christian, but it's for you too. This is why he's saying he's calling to every believer in Philippi. He's saying, let us, therefore, as many as be perfect. Well, let's talk about that word for a moment. Again, this is not a breed of Christian. This is not, oh, that's unattainable for me. It's unattainable for all of us apart from Christ. But it, we're not apart from Christ. Amen. We're born again. He's working in us to will and to do of his good pleasure. And so he says, basically, when he says in Philippians 2, 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. He's saying us, all of us, 
Let this mind be in you to pursue after God in this way. So what does this word perfect mean? You might have a different translation. But in verse 15, let us therefore as many as be perfect. Where we can instantly exclude ourselves and say, I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. But perfect here is not the same word uh, as used in other verses where Paul says in verse 12, I I'm not, have not attained and I'm not already perfect. It's not the same word. That word in verse 12 means flawless, okay? Flawless in every detail. That's perfect, right? Perfection. Paul says, I'm not already perfect. But then he says in verse 15, let us as many as be perfect be thus minded. What does he mean here in verse 15? It's a different word, and it means to be complete. It means mature in, in growth and so forth. Thoroughly instructed in our knowledge of Christ. And so it has nothing to do with perfection as far as being flawless without flaw. It has everything to do with being perfect in our intent to grow and mature and seek after God. Y'all understand that's two different things. There's not a person in this room that is perfect in Christ. He's perfect. I'm in Christ. You're in Christ. But we are not perfect. Paul said in verse 12, not as though I've already attained, neither were already perfect. I'm not. But they'll tell you how where I am perfect. This one thing I do. I'm put, forgetting everything that's behind, and I'm pressing towards the mark of the prize, the high, and we calling in Christ Jesus, and we can be perfect in that. I say it all the time. I remember, like yesterday, I can remember where I was, where, where the Lord got a hold of my life and told me to straighten up and either serve him or don't serve him when I was at LSU. I can remember it very clearly, and I have not been perfect by a long shot since then. But I feel like I have been perfect in, in seeking after God. In other words, I, haven't, I don't feel like I've been double-minded. Let me go back to the world for a while. You know, let me, let me, I'm not sure if this following Jesus is really a good thing. I've been, I feel like the Lord's helped me to be perfect in that, in pursuing after the Lord. And then day by day, I have failures and faults and fears and things like that where, where I'm not at all perfect but I'm still intent to say, God, forgive me. I want to keep going. You know what I mean? It's like we can be perfect in our pursuit in the Lord that I want to be complete in Christ. I want to be fully mature in Christ. I think this is real important. And if we don't get to everything tonight, I, I feel like it's, it's fine. I want to talk about this for a moment. So it has to do, the more I studied it, with perfection for the stage that we're in. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, um, if uh, and we have babies in our church, I talk about babies all the time. If 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 a child is six months old and they're not walking yet, the parents aren't really worried about that, are they? They're six months old. Uh, you know, usually babies start walking around one year old, give or take. You know what I mean? If they're six months old and they're not talking clearly, you're not. Parents are not worried about that. Because it's for their stage, though, are they where they should be? If a child is now six years old and they can't walk, there's a problem physically, okay? If a child is six years old and they can't speak clearly, there's a problem. And so the perfection that is being spoken of here when he says, let us, as, therefore, as many as be perfect, means are you where you should be right now? In your mindset, is your will surrendered to God? Are you surrendered to the Lord? Not, 
you know, is, is Katie more, more mature than, than me and more mature than someone else? It's not a comparison to one another. Are we all in the, where we should be right now individually? And are we all in unity to the same mind that here's where we want to go and we're going to pursue after the Lord? This is the perfection and the unity we're talking about, not a sinless perfection. And so we'll, we'll talk more about that. But what, uh, let's turn and read this for a moment in Hebrews chapter 12, I mean, chapter 5. You know, when I, when, I, when I pray, I said, personally, I pray a lot of scriptures. It helps me learn scriptures. It also helps me know that I'm praying according to the will of God when I'm praying a scripture. And here's one that I, I think of often, not this whole part, but a portion of it. Look at, at Hebrews 5, verse 12. For when for the time ye ought to be teachers, ye have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, and are become such as have need of milk and not strong meat. For everyone that useth milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Full age and, and so forth simply means you're where you should be at this point in your Christianity. It's not comparing Christian A to Christian B who just got saved yesterday. Where should Christian A be after 10 years in Christ and Christian uh, B be after 10 minutes in Christ? Are they where they should be? You see, this is what... This is what he's talking about. For when the time you should ought to be teachers, verse 12. So it was a rebuke. This was not a compliment. They were Christians. They weren't lost. He's saying you should be able to take these deeper teachings of God. You should be able to comprehend and understand these deeper truths of God. I've got a lot of things I want to teach you and share with you. But you're not able to bear them now because you're little babes. You've become babes, he says, that are, have need of such as have need of milk and not strong meat. We don't ever want to be there. Not that we're not Christians, but we don't ever want to be a baby, baby Christian. Even when you're first saved, you're, you're new in Christ, you're a babe in Christ, but you want to quickly grow and move on from there. And I think the, the speed at which we grow, I can't say totally, but I think almost totally is dependent upon us. Because God's ready, the Holy Spirit's ready, the Word of God's there. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is there and available. The grace of God, the church body. We have the things that we need to grow. God's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness just in our knowledge of Christ, that saving knowledge of Christ. So do you understand the point there he's talking about? You should be, you ought to be at a place where you can take some deeper things of God, but you're not. So to me, they wouldn't be perfect in the sense of of. Uh, mature where they, to the level that they should be mature. Maturity or completion to the level that they should be mature and complete in Christ. It doesn't mean they couldn't be. It doesn't mean maybe they received this letter and they said, God, forgive us, and the Lord quickly changed them. Okay? We've all had places, times we were lagging behind where we should be. But that, that's part of, of this life and walk with the Lord. And so where should you be? I want you to think about it for just a moment, and I'll think about it for myself, myself. Where should I be in Christ right now? Am I still having to have someone tell me, you know, you really need to pray. You, you said your prayers this week. You understand what I'm saying? Have, have you, did you read your Bible today? 
you know, there comes a point we shouldn't have to be asked that anymore. At some point, your Christianity becomes your own, and you say, I'm going to man up, so to speak. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. If I love God, if I want to grow in the Lord, I need to study. I don't have to have somebody checking up. Oh, I still hadn't read my Bible. Well, maybe it could be that's why, you know, the Lord's not using you to teach or using you in ways that you may want to be used. But where should I be right now? And he says, if anybody be, back in, in uh, verse 15 of Philippians 3, and if any, in anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. So isn't it good to know? I don't have to have a person necessarily come and say, you should be here. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But he says, the Lord's going to show you. If you're lagging behind, if you're not where you should be for a five-year-old Christian, okay, uh, a 20-year-old Christian, so forth. If you're not where you should be, doesn't mean you're not saved. It means you're not where you should be in Christ by this time in your Christianity. So there, there's, there's to be growth. Definitely there's to be growth and fruit. And God will show you, okay? Uh, there might be those, Paul was saying, that are not actively pressing towards the mark. They show up for church and they're there. And they're there in body, basically. And I thought of the word loitering. You know, you ever seen those signs outside of like a convenience store? No, sh no shoes, no shirt, no service, you know, and no loitering. They don't want you just hanging around the front door all day. Bunch of hoodlums, you know, hanging around the front door. A lot of times we as Christians, we're, we're lagging. We're loitering. And I was for, I'm not saying I haven't done it since, but I, but I can remember clearly a time when, it, when I was. When I was in college and I was loitering. You want to ask me how much I grew in Christ in college? Zero. Ask me how many people I witnessed to and told about Jesus when I was in college? Zero. How many mission trips or anything like that, anything of any kind of eternal benefit? God was kind to me and gracious to me, but in any kind of growth or service to the Lord, zero. I was loitering. I was just hanging around the door. And, and he was saying, if any man's going to come after me, he needs to follow me, right? A disciple is a follower or a learner. And so God is merciful and gracious, and he's merciful and gracious to all of us when we loiter around, but he doesn't want us to, lo want us to loiter. He wants us to go on with the Lord. I look at it as being like an all-in Christianity. It's all-in. And I don't see, you know, the I don't see the more I study and learn and walk with God that there's any other real type of Christian position to be in other than an all-in Christian. You know what I mean? Like 100%, this one thing I do, this is it. Christ is my all in all. The Lord is your life, it says in Deuteronomy 30, 20. And it ought to be that way where we follow the Lord. Again, this is not a special breed of Christianity. It is our reasonable service, says in Romans chapter 12. It is our reasonable service to take my body that is now the temple of the Holy Spirit and my new man that I have and am in Christ Jesus and that's been washed and purchased by the Lord as his possession and present this body of my own will to the Lord as a living sacrifice. 
daily and then all of my days. It is my reasonable service. That's not just for Apostle Paul and we say, wow, what a spiritual superstar. It's my reasonable service. It's your reasonable service to present our bodies in that way. And so those that are not thus minded, they're not going to be walking in that way. I want to read just this real brief, simple quote from F.B. Meyer. He said, our Savior had a distinct purpose in view when he apprehended us or when he saved us. Its full scope was only known to him. Let us strive that we may not fail to realize his ideal. In other words, God, when he saved every one of us, besides just bringing us to heaven one day, he has a specific uh, goal in mind, a specific finished product, specific purpose for each of our lives. And I don't want to fail. He's saying, let us not fail to realize what that is. Not only to realize it to where I see it, but realize it to where we attain it. For we're at least pursuing after that with all of our hearts. Amen. Find out what he saved you for besides taking you to heaven. We're not in heaven now. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places, but we're still on this earth. And so he still has a purpose for us here. We need to find out what that is. Most part, we're going to find out from the Bible, from the scriptures, and from the, the, the Holy Spirit. And, but then we need to walk in it. We need to realize it, as he puts it, and realize what is your purpose for my life. That sounds like a little trite saying, what's my, what's my purpose? Well, he'll show you. He'll show us all of our purposes in Christ. And we need to find out what that is and pursue after it. So just real quickly, uh, we should, we should be grown-up believers, if that makes sense. We should be grown-up believers, not childish, immature, not babes all the time. Spirit, God's going to reveal it to us where we are. But one of the things that the Holy Spirit reveals to us all, one of the things he reveals is the difference between what we are and what we should be. The Holy Spirit shows us that. What am I? And what should I be? Now, that's a pretty important thing, isn't it? That God, by His Spirit, can show us that. He shows you, this is what you are right now, and this is what you should be. I need to spend time before the Lord in prayer. I need to listen to Him. I need to listen to Him throughout the day, even if it's not my prayer time. I need to be listening to the Lord, hearing His voice. He might say, Randy, this is right here is what I'm talking about. This confrontation with this person. This is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm trying to show you. This is it. Uh, you need to be uh, gentler here. Or you need to be patient here. Or you need to be uh, go out of your way to be courteous here and kind. We need to be listening. He'll show me the difference between what I am in reality. Not what a bunch of people say about me. But what I am and what I should be. And we need to hear the Lord on that, and he is so kind and gracious. But I want to look at this real quickly. The, there are uh, there are like in this perfection that we're talking about, this growth for certain stages. Are you complete for where you should be, a five-year-old, a ten-year-old? There's three different levels, I guess you would say, or three different types of of maturity or perfection. And I'm going to give it in, in this sense. First of all, there's our positional perfection. What do I mean by pers positional perfection? I mean by your standing in Christ. 
when you gave your life to Christ, even if it was 30 seconds ago, you were robed in the righteousness of Christ. That cannot be improved upon. That is your standing. That we are in Christ. We are justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are perfect in the sense that I'm complete in Christ. I want to read two scriptures. These are actually good little thoughts and good notes to, to have. Hebrews 10:14 says, For by one offering he, speaking about Jesus, has perfected. There's that word perfection that we're talking about. He's already done it. Past tense. For by one offering he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. That is speaking about his offering for sin and our trust in Christ to be our ransom for sin and Savior, that cannot be improved upon. So I, I really meant it, and I gave my life to Jesus. He washed me in his blood. He says, I'm, I'm justifying you freely by my grace. That cannot be improved upon. That is my standing morning, noon, and night. If I lose my temper five minutes from now, my, stand, my standing in Christ does not change. That doesn't go away, Okay. That part is positional. That's my position as being in Christ before I was outside of Christ. Now I'm in Christ. So that's, there's a, that's spoken of as perfection. That's our standing. Uh, one more scripture real quickly. Colossians 2.10. <clears throat> this is very encouraging to me. <clears throat> and you are complete in him. Well, there's not one of us that we say we're completely like Jesus, we're completely conformed to his image. We're bearing all the fruit that we should bear. So what does he mean by complete? This is our positional standing. You are complete in him by being in him, which is the head of all principality and power. There's no other place we need to be or want to be to be perfect uh, in Christ. Stay there. We're, we're there by faith in Jesus Christ. And that is a per perfect standing before the Lord. And the blood of Jesus is a perfect plea. For our sin, always. All right, so that's number one, our positional perfection. The second one will be more along the lines of what we're talking about and thinking about pretty much every time we gather for church is our growth, our maturity, progressive perfection, or sanctification. I'm sanctified in Christ in my position, but I'm also being sanctified in practice, in reality, you know, cleaning up our language, cleaning up our our uh, whatever, cleaning up our lifestyle, getting things out of the way, putting things in that should be there that are of the Lord. That does not stop all through this life. I don't care who it is. It didn't stop in Paul's life. We're continually being sanctified. So look with me at a couple of verses real quick. Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And he, this is gifts that God, spiritual gifts the Lord gave to the church when he ascended on high. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And he did that for a purpose. What was the purpose? For the perfecting of the saints. This is not their standing or our standing in Christ. The saints, that's us, our perfecting, our perfection is going for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Edifying, it's a verb, being built up in Christ. So it's an ongoing, that would be our per progressive uh, perfection where we're being made perfect 
day by day as we walk with the Lord. Another great scripture. I'll read it from 2 Corinthians 7.1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. I'm going to read it again. It's a, Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh. Well, I'm already saved. I'm forgiven. I'm washed in the blood. But I've got a lot of things in my life that are not Christ-like. We all do. God knows that. His Holy Spirit's working in us, and I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit. I'm obeying the Lord. And so we cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Again, a progressive sanctification has to do with our fruit bearing. It has to do with our Christ-likeness, okay? That is not our standing. That's an actual work of God to make us more like Jesus, all right? And the third uh, level, if you want to call it that, of perfection is this ultimate perfection when we're glorified. If we suffer with him, we're going to reign with him. If we suffer with him, we're going to be glorified with him. Uh, in, in Romans 8, it talks about uh, the glorified body that we're going to receive. When is that going to take place, y'all? It's going to take place not with our feet on this earth like you know, tomorrow, and all of a sudden I wake up and I've got a glorified body. It's going to happen at the same time we're gonna, when we're raptured. But the Bible says very clearly that when we see him, we will be like him. And when we see him and are like him, then that uh, progressive sanctification and working out our salvation with fear and trembling and so forth is, is a finished product. When we see him, we'll be like him. I'll just read this from Ephesians 5, 27. This is speaking of that final or glorified type of perfection where it's complete. All right. Ephesians 5, 27, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. Well, the church is not that way right now. And every individual believer in practice, in reality, is not that way right now. You could find a spot or wrinkle in all of our lives. You could find a spot and a wrinkle in every church, in the best of churches on the planet. But we're positionally in Christ. We're being made like Christ. But still, he says, he's going to, he's going to one day present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. That will be every individual, Christian and saint, and that will be his church. That is that final church when he's through with us. So you all, so all see that there's a positional perfection that, we, that cannot be improved upon the day you give your life to Christ and you mean it. There's an ongoing sanctification or perfection where we're becoming more like Christ and there's a glorified state where all that working is finished and Christ is all in all and and we are like him and when we see him and it's that working is over as far as that type of working in us to make us more like Jesus. So this is what I know I took a, a lot of time on that, but I think it's worth it. Uh, it puts to bed a lot of confusion and, and doctrines that might pop up that are, are, uh, are contrary. You know, to me, this is the simplicity of it right here. And 
Let's, let's, let's close here in verse 16. We probably won't get to verse 17 tonight. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. And so, again, wherever we are in Christ, this is for you. This is for me. Wherever you are in Christ. And you say, we know uh, Sherry's so much farther along than me or so-and-so. Wherever we are in Christ, let's mind the same rule the same standard, the same pursuit, the same will of being surrendered to God, the same wherever we are. In one sense, you can have one that's really here in their Christ-likeness and another one here. One that's up here in their knowledge of the Scriptures and, and abilities and giftings to teach and one way down here. But if we're all submitted to Christ fully, I mean, we're sincere about that. I'm fully, I want God to do everything he can in my life, and I want to cooperate with him and yield to him. And I have no other love but a love for the Lord, and I want to pursue him. I have no a higher calling. We all can be like-minded in that. We're all following the same rule. And guess what the Lord can do for this one way back here? He can bring this one up here, and it doesn't have to take a lifetime. He can. It's amazing. I've seen it with people, even in this church that I'm looking at. I've seen how the Lord has grown you from where you were just a few years ago to, till now. And it's, it's an amazing thing, and it's all glory to God. But mind the same rule. One commentary I was reading said this is healthy to mind the same rule. It's safe, and it's glorifying to God. It's healthy spiritually. It's safe because we're all walking together, and it glorifies God. This is that unity, but unity specifically in this lesson tonight is in, we're unified in our pursuit of God. We're all going on. Every one of us is going on. If somebody's lagging behind, we're going to grab them and pull them on with us. Amen? And if we're lagging behind, we want somebody to grab us and pull us on uh, with them. And so I'll just say this in closing, that if we'll... If we will walk in, don't compare yourself to another believer. You can get very frustrated and say, honestly, y'all, every time I read about certain Christians whose lives I admire, I said, I'm not even saved. I mean, I'm really not even saved. This, this is just some of these in Fox's Book of Martyrs, some of these that were martyred for the Lord, or just different, different people, not even just in the Bible, and I think, that's just amazing. I always think about Moody. He made a covenant, him and the Lord. Now, it's not a scriptural. It's just him and God. He made a covenant. He wouldn't let the sun go down without sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with at least one person every single day. And I think, I'm so far from that, you know, uh, or, or whatever it may be. We can get frustrated. Don't compare yourself like that. You have examples that we can follow. That's a wonderful thing. But don't. Uh, don't just sit there all day and compare yourself. And also, you could get prideful and you say, I'm way better than them. <laughs> um, they're pathetic. You know, I'm a much better Christian than them. And, it, and in two seconds, we're, we're filled with pride because our eyes are on them, on Moody, or on this, this you know, believer that's not really walking it like he should. Uh, our eyes need to be on the Lord. You know, and we're going to talk about this more next week. Uh, or in a couple of weeks when we, we get back to our study. But walk in, in whatever light you genuinely have from the Lord. 
what you know to be true. That's all we're talking about when we talk in this sense of perfection. Walk in what you already are very convinced from the Holy Ghost is what you should be walking in. What you know from the Lord. If I only have this much light, I can only walk in this much light, but I can walk in it. If God has shined a flashlight and he shows me this, this spiritual realm, this understanding of Christ, this, you know, this understanding of ministry, whatever, I not only can walk in that, but I must walk in that. I need to walk in the light he's given me and fill that up. Then I'm not a baby Christian anymore. I'm mature and perfect and complete for what I'm supposed to be right there. And guess what happens? I know you know as we start walking in that light, what does God do? Because we have a hunger for more of Christ. He gives us more light. Let me show you this. Oh, wow. I'll show you great and wonderful things that you knew not, he said. He'll keep revealing things to us. And then, then he says, come on. This is new, deeper water. I want you to walk in this. We must walk in it. Not only is it our privilege to, we must walk in that light. You won't stay put. You'll, you'll shrink back if you don't. And you certainly won't go forward. So I'm just going to close with that tonight, y'all. And uh, I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful that that's the type of unity that the Lord is desiring. It's not that every single Christian is always at the exact same place in Christ. But we can be in the exact same place in our commitment to the Lord and our pursuit of the Lord. Amen. Y'all stand with me. These altars are open. Take just a few moments. I think this is a, a message where we would want to, to lay hold on the Lord for a few minutes and ask him to work this in our lives. Give us such a hunger. Father, we bless you tonight. We thank you. We thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you that there's great peace and safety in sound doctrine. There's great peace and safety and spiritual health in, in true unity of the spirit. There's great comfort in knowing that we're not perfect in the sense of without flaw. We're perfect in Christ in our standing. Our salvation is perfect. Our justification is perfect. The forgiveness of sins that you've forgiven us with is perfect. The righteousness of Christ with which you've robed us is perfect. But yet, Lord, you're perfecting us to make us more like Christ. And I thank you that you're doing it. You are doing that. It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. We thank you for that. Lord, let this church, Cornerstone Church of Baton Rouge, walk in such unity, God, as many as be thus, as be perfect, be thus minded, that we would forget the th things that are behind and, and press towards the mark in Christ. Bless your people tonight, God. Bless us, Lord, and strengthen us and help us and grow us. Thank you for your great patience and long-suffering with us, God. Thank you for your power to truly change us, even our hearts and affections and desires. Thank you, God. We surrender our wills to you tonight.